Hello, welcome to the Babe Bunny Podcast, where I, me, Ashley, aka Ashley Chubby Bunny, discuss sex, fashion, cannabis, and life as a rom-com protagonist living in Brooklyn, New York. Make sure to follow, subscribe, and share the pod with your homies as well as let me know what you think with a review slash comment upon completion. Hey there, and welcome back to the Bay Bunny Podcast. This week, I want to get into something that a lot of people have asked me about. I casually have talked about it in, you know, conversation because I do feel that it is um, even though it doesn't, it wasn't a very long period of my life. It was like over the course of like a year. Um, I do feel like it was one of the more foundational periods of my life. Definitely a formative um, time period for me. And I truly believe that had it not happened, I wouldn't have had the growth, the experiences and the increase in community maturity and unpacking my views surrounding sex, sexuality, sex work. And I honestly personally do not think that I would be as assertive sexually um, and um, open to discussing, you know, the and like everything under the umbrella of sex and sexuality in a way that's more matter of fact, that's more conversational, um, that's not, you know, salacious or judgmental. So it's done a lot of positive things for me so far. I think the negatives don't really outweigh the positives in this regard. So we're just going to jump right into it. I mentioned in one of my earlier episodes, it could have been the first intro. I kept dropping. Uh, <laughs> I kept dropping the fact that that's what I was doing. So basically, I used to be a dominatrix in a dungeon here in the city um, over in Manhattan in Koreatown. Basically... Um, I was fired from a job that I was currently working at that time. And I, um, also was trying to figure out, okay, so what am I going to do for like money? The job search wasn't job searching. And basically I had to turn to Craigslist because our car had gotten towed. When I moved to the city, um, my then partner brought up the car that, um, he, uh, basically purchased for me. We're really going to be honest about this. And everybody's like, why would you have a car here? What's going on? I remember even like a fucking like a uh, broker trying to be like, oh, you should just sell your car so that you can afford the rent in this five story walk up with the narrowest stairs you've ever seen. And this like apartment that barely has, you know, a separation from the kitchen and the living room. And, and I'm not talking about like, oh, it's an open concept. I'm talking about there was barely enough room for both of those things to exist concurrently. So usually that's what I would hear, you know, from people that are like, oh, why do you have a car here? It was a fucking Toyota Yaris. It was red. It was cute. It was a hatchback. Fuck out of here. Literally looks just like the fucking little red car emoji in the phone. So, and her name was Munchkin. That was my baby. I drove that car everywhere. It had a lot of like, even though it was tiny and people made fun of it and said it looked like a fucking bumper car, they always needed a ride and it always fit everything. Me and my fucking like Toyota Yaris Munchkin era, unstoppable. Anyways, I needed money to get that fucking car back because 
One very large issue with having a car in New York is the parking situation. I was consistently getting tickets. I was afraid to ride the transit. I preferred to be in the car. It was the time that I could get to myself to like be away from like when we had a roommate, my roommates. When I wanted to go sit in the car by myself and not really be in the city, I would go on drives. I would spend a lot of time to myself. And everybody's like, oh, you drive in New York City? Oh, my God, the traffic. And I was like, yes. Not only do I enjoy driving in New York City, I noticed like when I would show up to work, I would be in a better mood after driving in the traffic because I would be screaming at everybody. I was able to let out so much aggression and I was able to like basically drive Munchkin around like in a very like tactical manner because I had a tiny car. I could literally park anywhere. I could literally do this. But of course, when you park somewhere and you have these like fucking like traffic um, rules, the parking rules, all of this shit, like RIP, I no longer own Munchkin, like whatever the fuck, right? You need to get, you need to get the fucking shit out because when you, when the, when the car gets towed, they not only charge you for the ticket, they charge you for the tow, they charge you for how long it sits in the shop. So like, it was like kind of like time was of the essence. I was like, I need to find something now. This is not gonna, like, I can't afford an onboarding. I can't afford like a 30 day, like, no, we need to start now. So basically I found this job on Craigslist. It was an ad and this is like around the time of like, sort of where Sesta Fosta is like gaining traction. And so they were very like they were still very open with like the ads on Craigslist. Like you could I definitely remember the shift of being able to see personals, being able to see all the other sites that we now no longer have access to and also the different sections on Craigslist that we no longer have on there. But basically and people try to get around that now too, by the way. But basically the ad said, you know, do you want to come and, you know, be a dom at a women, you know, led and ran dungeon. And they said that you would get paid $80 an hour and that they would train you and all this other shit. And I was like, bet, I've never done this before, but why the fuck not? And of course, like, they did this thing where they were like, oh, you reach out to them. They call you. They give you they give you an intersection to go to, like, like an actual like, oh, when you get to this intersection, call us and let us know that you're there. Um, Because I was about to go to the interview. And so I did. It was so funny. Um, I basically went to the intersection. I called. They were like, okay, here's the address. I go to the address. And then the interview starts immediately. They're asking me, like, what is your personal experience with doming? Do you prefer doming or subbing? What's going on? Da, 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 you know, shit like that, right? I'm like, oh, I don't really do that. And then the lady was like, you know what? You're really pretty. Um, I think, yeah, I think you got it. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, like, you're pretty. Like, we'll train you. It's fine. But do you have a Dom name? You know, because they wanted me to start that day. Mind you, they wanted me to start that day. So they were like, you're pretty. Da, 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 da. We can train you. What's your Dom name? So the Dom name that I came up with at first, they kept saying that, I tried Lilith, I tried something else, and they were like, oh, you can't have, like, these names because if they're too similar to other people's names, the men will get confused when they're trying to, like, um, request one of us. And I was like, that is the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. That is hilarious. So I made a joke because they were like, I was like, well, I don't know, you know, who else to pick. And they were like, 
think about the strongest woman in your life that you know. What's her name? And <laughs> I gave the name Mistress Jolene because Jolene was the name of my bunny rabbit that had a very strong personality, was very sweet. And also she was named after the Dolly Parton song. So every time somebody heard her name, they would sing that song. Um, and I, it made me smile. So like, I was just like, I'll be Mr. Jolene. But I said it as a joke and they said, okay, that's who you are. And I was like, oh wait, no, that's not what I meant. Cause I was like, I don't want it to be associated where like I'm in this space where I'm named after like one of my favorite, you know, uh, babies on like it's just it was a lot going on like <laughs> um but I I like I grew into it everybody there like oh Mr. Jolene Mr. Jolene and it was funny because not a lot of us knew each other's real names so of course we're like talking to each other with like our referring to like our mistress names or whatever so that's what my name was I did not understand anything about what I was supposed to do and I think that what happens is a lot of people that come into either BDSM kink or that kind of community don't really have they have an idea of what they expect to happen but they're not fully prepared or like understand exactly what all entails and I was one of those people because yeah I'm out here fucking but like I don't understand kink I don't understand BDSM so the training was like very crucial and me trying to figure out exactly what kind of dom I wanted to be because that's also something that I was not discussed like I was not talked to about it's not just like, oh, you go here and you're a dominatrix and you wear latex and that's what you do and you yell at men. There's a whole process that the other girls like talk to me about because they all had their own personas and watching them all get dressed, not like, oh, in a creepy way, but like watching them get into their personas, like their makeup, their outfits, like how they spoke to the customers was like really nice because they all had a very distinctive style. So basically when I first got there, they didn't really have like a formal training. My dumb ass thought that's what was going to happen. I um, asked a dom that had a regular, you know, about, you know, what kind of stuff she did. And so she was like, okay, so um, great question. The new girls that just started, if you want to come and like be in a um, tip-in or a potential tip-in, but like if you want to come and like watch a customer I have, he's a regular, like, you can come in and do that. And I was like, uh, of course, yes. So I go in there and she has this man tied up. And that's the first time I learned how to properly use a whip, how to properly use a flogger and how to properly use a riding crop and um, a pinwheel and CBT rope all <laughs> on like, I guess my first day. And like, it was funny because like, she was like, at first, I thought she was kidding because she was like, oh, this is how you use a whip and you want to make sure you hit him here and there and here and there. You don't want to hit him here because you could kill him. And I was just like, ah, LOL. And she goes, I'm serious. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, so she let us practice. She let us try. And, you know, we you, we went through all of the tools. I tried the whip at first. I didn't really like it, um, which I don't know if it's like epigenetic. <laughs> I don't know whatever like I just don't feel comfortable using like a whip like I think that it's for somebody that's a little bit more in control of their extremities and like understands how to manipulate that kind of um, material and that kind of situation because it is drawn out um, we use the flogger and I don't know I didn't really like how limp the flogger felt I didn't feel like I was making enough damage because I 
you know, it depends on like what the flogger is made out of, how old it is, if it's broken in, if it's brand new, you know, things like that. And I think the one that I had, because they gave us the tools at the dungeon to use, I think the one that I was using was a little bit more worn in. So, you know, it should have came with some like weight to it, but I just still didn't like how, oh my God, I'm sorry, there's dogs. I still just didn't like how it wasn't like pain. It didn't feel like it was painful enough for him for me. So when she gave me the riding crop, I was like, okay, so this is obviously like a joke now. Cause like, I'm just like, what is this going to do? Like, it's a little fucking like stick with this thing on top. Like, what are we doing? And so she was like, here's how you use it. And now you can use it. So I used it and immediately was like, oh, this is, this is it. I, I love riding crops. (laughs) I'm obsessed with riding crops. I love the feel of them. I love how light they are. I love how they fit in my hand. Um, My hands are the biggest little, littlest hands I've ever seen. So the riding crop can fit really well, especially depending on like the length of the handle, how thick it is. But they're usually like kind of like really kind of like, like thin and they're not heavy. And my favorite part is feeling and hearing it go through the air. So like when you're like flicking it with your wrist, cause it's all in the fucking wrist and hand motions. Um, when you're making the noises, when I'm hitting my hand or when I'm finally making contact <laughs> with the sub. So my favorite, uh, tool to use obviously is the riding crop i love the the pop sound that it makes when it makes the contact with the skin because people kind of underestimate the pain levels of what the sounds of a riding crop correlate with so because the top of it is like a folded piece of like leather um so it like people kind of miss like they they underestimate how much pain it's able to cause. So the louder essentially a riding crop is, the less pain it causes because if it's loud, the sound is traveling over the surface area of the little folded over piece on top, and it's there's a lot more like going into the sound than there is the pain. My thing was I figured out a way to where how I utilized it, I could like get the pop, but it wasn't going to be that loud, but I would make sure to focus on the pain (laughs) because the pain is a short little pop too. There's like a little bit of like a sharp, like um, a sharp brief, you know, sting. It's more of like a sharp stinging pop and it's very short and I enjoy that. I enjoy um, the sound that that makes. I enjoy how it feels. I enjoy how the sub sounds when I do it. I enjoy how um, I, it, yeah, I'm trying, I'm like really trying not to get into it right now. Cause I'm just like, I really like riding crops. So that's the first season. That's the first session that I had where it wasn't my session, but another Dom was like, I'll teach you how to do this. And that's when I figured out that I really liked riding crops. So I would, I would usually try to pick them out more. So when I would have other um, clients and stuff. So basically one of the rules of working at the dungeon was that you could not do a meet within the first week of working there because of the fact that, like I said, a lot of people kind of don't really understand what goes into kink, BDSM, you know, doming, subbing, things like that. So when you talk to 
the clients or potential clients when we do meets, you could possibly say something or they could possibly ask for something that you don't know that you're not supposed to be talking about. So they wait for you to like do like a week or so because by that time you're already trained on what to say and what not to say, how to speak to the customers about what services they're looking for, and also basically how to utilize, you know, the tools and basically how to run, you know, a session. And so what the meets are is on the website, they have the option of being able to see everybody. A lot of the girls cover their faces and stuff. I know I did my first photo shop. My first photo shoot was ass and the shoes they had me in all stuff they had on. Like I didn't know how to dress. So I had on this like corset top and a skater skirt and they were like oh you have to put on these heels because they were like oh like you have to wear heels it's mandatory and I was like determined to get around that rule any way I could so I ate that first fucking evening where I was like I guess I'll put on these size 10 shoes even though I'm an 11 and wobble all the way back to the prisoner room that was the only room that was available and let you take these weird ass photos with terrible angles and lighting of me in this room. And it was terrible. I don't even know how I got people requesting me off of that fucking photo alone, but it happened um, until I took my own photo. So basically during the, during the first, like during the meet, they can either choose girls online. They can like be like, Oh, can I just see these two? Or can I see these couple? Can I see this one? They booked them online or they come in. Oh, no, no, they call and ask. So we've had a lot of people call and ask, are there, are there black girls working this evening? Are there like fat girls working this evening? Are there white girls working this evening? Like they literally will call and be like, hey, is this kind of girl working? Um, and then obviously when they show up randomly, they um, pay the money and they speak to the manager and then they go and they sit in a room after they filled out, like, like um, they filled out a form They've signed a fucking waiver and like they basically let the the manager know what they're looking for. So the manager would come to the like little room we're all in, which is like one like space where it's literally like two couches and barely enough space for us all to sit down. But like the the majority of the room is basically mirrors and lockers, mirror lockers. So she comes in there and she's like, hey, is anybody interested in meeting this client? They want, you know, this, that, and the third. And then people that are like into it, they all get up, they get ready, or they already are ready. They go to the meet. One by one, we go into the meet. We do our spiel. We introduce ourselves. They pick one of us. And then the rest of us go and like, you know, hang out or whatever. And then like sometimes we get called in for a tip in, which means that like we could possibly be getting paid for assisting or like joining in on the session. Or if you just were somebody like me and you just wanted to learn more about everything, I would just go if they asked for somebody else to be there, but I didn't necessarily have the promise of a tip in. Cause at that point I didn't care. I just wanted to know what I was doing. Um, so that's how the meets worked. And then I remember my first session was terrible. At that point, I still had not had my, <laughs> my uh, Dom persona down. I really thought that, um, I was going to just wing it. But then I was like, wait, what if I just put together like this? I just make it work for me. So I was just like, I'm going to um, play up the fact that I'm from Texas and I'm going to be Dolly Parton from the best little whorehouse in Texas because she like 
First of all, she looks like amazing in that movie. And I was just like, I want to emulate her in the movie and I want to like make it to where it's like this fun, like sexy, you know, country, like campy experience. Like I'm still thinking from the mindset of me. Like I'm still thinking from like, oh, this is something that I would go the fuck up for. And so I try, oh my God. So basically this guy was a regular and like sometimes the regulars come in and when they see that there's new girls, they'll be like, oh, uh, you know, send the new girls in. I want to see them. And I got picked. And I was just like, oh, this is wild. He was this, like, white man that was red, which was weird. And um, middle-aged, like, you know, stocky or whatever. And he picked out the medical room. Now, there are different rooms in the dungeon. And they're all differently themed. And that's how they're decorated based on theme. There is the equestrian room, which I call the equestrian room because it had all the horse shit in it. And everybody else called it the blue room. And I was like, okay, but there's literally like, you know, all kinds of horse things in there. And it also was the room that had the working Bluetooth. So that's why I like going in there too. And it was bigger. So when you start getting active and like all that shit, you didn't, when you got hot, there was a lot more room to circulate because like they really, you know, there was spaced out or whatever. And there was a lot more fun things in there to do as well. There was a throne. There was like a coffin that you could lock them in uh, underneath a bench. There was um, suspension uh, stuff. And then, of course, like the rest of like, there was like um, a gimp costume. I could be wrong about there being an Iron Maiden, but I'm not sure because I didn't use everything in that room, but I used enough. Um, and then, of course, like, they had, like, horseshoes, like, racing horseshoes, and then, like, other, like, horse stuff that you could put on. Um, and then we had the Victorian room, which essentially could just be the red room. The Victorian room had, like, a like a jail cell in it, like, an old-timey, like, you know, middle-ages jail cell in there, so you could lock the sub in there, and that could be the session. They had a stripper pole. There was a swing. There was a um, a wheel that looked like a middle-aged wheel, like a middle-ages wheel. Um, there was a uh, a saddle thing, but, like, it wasn't working. And then there was a throne in there as well and a bench. And I liked that room the most because it was bigger and um, you could get a lot of better photos in there. So that's where also a lot of the girls like to go take photos. And, like... Um, it seemed to have really good energy in there. I don't think I've ever really had a bad experience in the Victorian room. It didn't really have good lighting, though. I'll, I'll say that. It didn't have good lighting, and the Bluetooth didn't work in there either. Um, but they also had, like, hats and stuff. Like, I don't know. It was like, it was like oh, look at this hat. Look at this. Look at that, whatever. Um, and then we had um, a... They called it a CD room, like a cross-dressing room. And it basically looked like somebody's like aunt or grandma's like living room, like to a T, like a nursing room, waiting room to a T. And it had a shiffer robe. I kid you not, a shiffer robe. And inside the shiffer robe was um, terrible wigs, like terrible matted, just horrible, mangled, just just very tragic, unfortunate looking wigs. And then it had like some semblance of female clothing, like what they would think a man would put on to come into this session, right? And then like the lighting in there was horrible. So every time I went in there, I would have to change it to the lamps because the overhead lighting literally was a fluorescent lamp. And like, it was just like not it. Um, I actually hated that room. <laughs> 
Because the lighting was so bad and like the setup in terms of like how much space you could use. It just really depended on like what kind of session that your person was like, you know, trying to book you for. Um, Then we had a room that was the all leather room or like the all black room or whatever. So everything's leather. Everything's black. There's like, you know, it looks more like what people think a dungeon does look like. Like, oh, look, the floor is concrete. And there's like, you know, medieval looking torches and and candles and there's a big mirror because there's a mirror in every room and there was like a um there was bdsm stuff in there too so you get tied up to the wall you can get tied up um there's a like a um what is it i don't know what it's called so basically do y'all remember uh i don't know if you've like seen like medieval torture devices but like there was one where like they put people in this like suspended cage that they could stand up in but it was only as like wide as their bodies and we definitely had one of those in there. And I've never put anybody in one, but we had one in there and I always wanted to use it. Um, we had a wrestling room where literally everything was just the wrestling mat, the walls, the floors. Like as soon as you got in there, it literally was a wrestling room and it had the lighting and everything to match. Like it was just like all the rooms are very much like well planned and thought through. The other room that um, was tiny and sometimes I didn't like being in there was the office room. It could double as like, you know, a dean's office, a professor's office, you know, but it was just an office room. So it looked like you could, it was like multi-purpose for like, oh, if you weren't trying to have like a little fucking power dynamic fantasy. Had a desk, had a chalkboard, had a mirror because they all, every room had a mirror, every room had a mini fridge and every room, almost every room had a like a um, accompanying bathroom. Um, but the two smaller rooms didn't like, no, actually some of the rooms didn't. So the rooms that didn't have bathrooms were that room, the wrestling room, the little tiny prison room, which literally looked like a little medieval prison that like literally the thing that took up the most space in there was the mirror. That room was no bigger than a fucking snap. And like, it was meant to like have a guy, like it was meant to put somebody in there and like leave them in there or like whatever. It was meant, it, it served a purpose, but I absolutely hated that fucking room because it's too small and I was too fucking big in there. Um, and then both of the rooms that I absolutely hate, um, both medical rooms. Now I hated both of these rooms because the lighting is literally overhead fluorescent hospital lighting because they wanted this to be like down to a T. They have all of the medical stuff in there. It's literally set up like an exam room. There's a like an exam chair and all this shit. Huge mirror, right? The floors are just bright white tile. Everything in there is white. The wall is white. The ceiling, everything is white, right? The reason why I didn't like that room is because after we got done with all of our like like sessions, we had to clean the rooms and they would come and check and shit. Right. And they would do like a little like list and see who did this and who did that and who didn't do this, who didn't do that. And so like when you did like a room, like when you did like a, a session in the hospital room, it wasn't like, oh, you just want to get out of there and it's gross. I'm talking about they would go in there and if they had a white glove on, they would have used that. They're just like the floor. And I'm, you're like, what about the floor? Oh, like, you know, this or like whatever. It was just like the, it was the most tedious room to clean. And that's why I hate it when people book there because I knew I had to clean it up afterwards. Um, and there's two of them, uh, one on the left, one on the right. And those all four of those rooms have like a corresponding bathroom that's off to the side that could easily be its own room because we did have a lot of people that were into play that involved a bathroom. Um, but 
that's kind of what the setup was. There was a room that was under construction that like for intents and purposes of the story was a room that a lot of storage and stuff was in. So like we weren't, you know, actively using that room. Keep that in mind. So my first um, session was in one of the medical rooms. And so it was just like bright lights and I literally had no idea to do, like, like what to do. Like, I knew about, like, what could possibly happen, but I was like, what do I say to him? How do I say it? How do I start a scene? How do I, like, you know, move this session along? How do I set a dynamic? What am I supposed to do? Because he's a regular. So I'm, like, trying to figure out, okay, like, how do I really interest, like, introduce myself into doing this the right way? And I flopped. I flopped so hard. I tried to emulate... Like, I tried to, like, play up my country accent. I tried to act like I was Dolly Parton in the best little whorehouse in Texas. I literally remembered some of, like, the the bedside manner and uh, <laughs> healthcare <laughs> um, procedures because I come from a family of healthcare providers. So I really tried to start it off like it was, like, a legitimate session, like a legitimate healthcare visit. And I'm just, like, I don't know what to do because, like, how am I supposed to treat him like a patient? And I don't know whether or not he wants to be treated like a patient. Why would he pick this room if he didn't want to be treated like a patient? All the other rooms were empty, you know, and I was just freaking out. I was sweating profusely. I was really trying. I was like trying to fill out the fucking chart and everything. And then um, for lack of a better word, like I kind of just gave in to what he wanted. Like it wasn't a full service like situation because that's not what was allowed to happen there. Um, but I... He literally was just like, I want to see your titties. And I was like, I guess. Because everything else that I was trying to do wasn't working. I had no tools. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. The medical supplies in there are real. But I'm just like, we don't even, I don't even know why he wants to be in this room if we're not like really doing anything, you know, medical. So I just let him see my titties. And um, he just like touched himself. And then asked me to touch myself and that's what I did. And I was like, I don't think that I'm supposed to be doing this, but I guess we'll do this. And I'll put on this show for this person um, to see what's happening. And like, what is it? But like, you know, like I was just like, <sighs> I don't know. It didn't go on for long, luckily enough. But like, then he was like, oh, so like, I have this thing that I like to do and I want to know basically if you can like help me. And I was like, what? This man told me that he wanted to, um, and this is why his masturbating or whatever didn't like last long. He said that he wanted to be able to be in the medical chair upside down so that he wanted me to leave the room, go get two other like doms and come back to him being upside down in the chair. And so he can come on his own face and we can make fun of him. And I was like, you should have started, you shouldn't have buried the lead. You should have started the whole shit with this, right? That did not happen that time because I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what to do here. And I knew the other doms, but like, I didn't know if I should go grab them. So like the, the session finished up and like, you know, I got a tip and all this other stuff. And I was like, not bad for like a first session. It was very, it was not how it was supposed to go. Um, so I was just like, I'm just, I guess I'm just going to take that. And, you know, th that's what's happening. That's kind of like what that was. And, you know, I learned from it because that definitely was like me not understanding a clue about what because like all the clients aren't the same and so like you can't just go into it thinking oh i saw this other guy get hit in the face and like 
you know, all this happened and this girl was naked in her session. So I guess that like, you know, for my session, I can do the same thing. Like, it's kind of like that. So, um, I learned from that. I talked to the other doms about what I, what happened. They gave me some pointers and then I just started to like just literally go into like their sessions when they asked for like support or they asked for like an audience if the clients asked for an audience because some of them liked it when other doms watched. And also, if you did watch, you always had the possibility of getting tipped. Um, so that's how I learned, basically. And there were so many different kinds of clients like and I unfortunately did not get very many fun ones. I wish I did. Like I tell people all the time about this one girl that I really liked. Unfortunately, her ex-boyfriend found out that she worked there and then threatened to dox her. And so she left. And I will not to this day. I am pissed about that because she was so much fun and um, a very sweet person. And so basically um, I would go into a lot of her sessions and we had like a like a friendship going. So the first session that I went into of hers was this man who had a kidnapping fantasy. So he brought his own like helmet lights. And so she asked for like two, three of us to come in the room with her. It was pitch black. We're in the fucking like equestrian room. So he's on top of a bench tied down with the fucking light on his head. And then like she has a light and she's like, see, I brought my friends it's just like he was like she goes how do you feel about that and he's like scared and she's like good we get to do whatever we want with you and she's like you like that huh and he was like no and she was like good (laughs) and then we like basically pretended like we were kidnapping him and like beat him up in the dark and it was funny because like the lights just kept moving and i was just like oh my god this is so intense this is so fun and then, like, you know, she's like, thank you for help. You know, to, sometimes you go on for 15 minutes. Sometimes you go on for 10 minutes. Sometimes you stay. But, like, she's like, thank you for help. And then we left. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so much fun. Or, like, how there was another girl who had um, a uh, – she had a client, a regular that went in the same room. He would like to be suspended from the ceiling upside down so that we could paint – use watercolors on him and paint profanities on him and basically publicly humiliate him. And so I was like, I want some shit like that because he would bring his own watercolors and it was just a really fun time. Um, There was also a um, client that, for lack of a better word, his name was Helicopter Pete because he would come in and his thing was he liked basically just using CBT rope and then jumping in a circle butt naked so we could see his dick go around in a circle like a helicopter and then get beat. So my favorite thing to do whenever holoco- like whenever Helicopter Pete stopped by because he wasn't like regular enough to when we knew he was coming. But when he stopped by, everybody was excited because um, <laughs> he's fun and he's cute and don't nobody got to really do shit they don't like feel like doing. Like we don't have to touch him. We can just hit him. We can just do whatever the fuck, right? So um, me and the other girls when we worked there quickly were like, oh, like we became friends because duh. And there was a area that is called the smoke room that a lot of the girls would go and hang out in because we weren't allowed to leave the dungeon when we got up there because there was only one way in and one way out through, like, the elevator and shit. And there was a set of stairs, but, like, nigga, fuck you. So, basically, um, they were like, oh, if you do that, um, the, the... clients could be coming up or going down and they'll see you and we want to maintain like the illusion of like the fantasy so like y'all can't be seen outside the dungeon and I was like okay so 
the girls took up smoking in the smoking room, but then I was like, why can't we smoke weed in here? So the other girls smoke weed in there. So I would like to like smoke weed. And anytime that um, Helicopter Pete would show up and I was high, I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> like we get to go and watch this man for like 30 minutes and like have a great time. And he was just like, like I saw him at a play party once. And I didn't say anything because I don't really approach anybody outside the dungeon like that. But it was really like fun whenever he showed up. There was a man there that I remember um, he brought his own train set because he wanted to hook it up to his penis and he wanted a special dom that could help him with that because he built the train set himself. And so he had made it to where the track would like fit around his penis and he said that he had to have somebody that was specialized to help him with it so he wouldn't essentially get electrocuted. Um, There was, I learned how to do sounding there because one of the other uh, clients that was there that liked other people to watch um, had a sounding session in the CD room and he asked if there were any other girls that wanted to watch and she and somebody was like, well, there's girls that don't know how to do this. And he was like, I volunteer tribute. So basically that's how I learned sounding. Um, Very disturbing. I don't like not disturbing, like, ooh, gross kind of way, but it was just like the optics of it. Like, And then also, like, the feeling of it. It's just very... I understand the appeal. I've been told um, by penis owners that it feels like you're being fucked from the inside out. Um, You know, if that's the case, that's great. But also, when you don't have a penis that's capable of maintaining an erection, doing sounding on someone is very dangerous. Um, Case in point, one of the most colorful clients that we had ever had at the dungeon was this old ass man that at the time was 92. I don't know if he's still alive. I don't know what's going on, but he was 92 years old and I forgot his name. Um, but cause they had a name for him too, but like he would show up and like people, he would show up at like the last part of the evening because he wanted to kind of like block out the time So basically he would show up, he would shower and he would take a long time to do everything. He would take a long time to do the meets. I personally, after I heard people talking about how he smelled, did not want to meet him because I can't do smells. Like I can't something with the olfactory nerves. Like it just really, I can't do it. So I, every time they came back from the meet, they would tell me about what was happening. And I'm just like, nope. Nope, that's fine. I don't know. That's okay. Um, Basically, when he did sessions, he would pick a girl that he wanted. He would bring his own medical stuff, too. So he wanted to be in the medical rooms, the one that was to the right. And he would bring, like, his own, like, syringes. He would bring his own, like, gas mask. He would bring his own, like, stuff, right? And I was like, oh, when he gets here next time, he's going to bring his own fucking like you know morphine he's gonna bring his own like you know other shit because i'm like this nigga wants us to kill him and here's why i thought that he came there and he one of the girls that i met um the day that i it wasn't the day i met her but it was like one of the shifts we were working together she told me that she got picked for the session and i was like bet she comes out of the session and she's like holy shit holy shit holy shit and we're like what and she's like I just pulled this dude's fucking tooth out. And she's like, and we're like, excuse me? She's like, yeah. Um, he, I pulled his tooth out. And we're like in shock in the kitchen. And we're like, what do you mean? So apparently this man um, 
has always had a fantasy of having somebody pull one of his teeth out. And that I was told that he was interviewed in a real sex episode on the street and that they were able to get like a sound bite out of him talking about how one of his ultimate fantasies is having one of his teeth pulled out. And so they were like, I was just like, wait, what? So he finally got his, his fantasy finally came true. And I was just like, I can't believe that I'm here for this. That's kind of awesome. And so he kept picking this girl and he would like kind of cycle through them. And then the girl left. And so he picked somebody else and he would do other things. So like he also had a thing for like wanting to put his fingers on girl, like in girls mouths and rub their teeth. And I was like, extra no, double no, absolutely not. Um, no. And, uh, Cause they were like, yeah, all he did was like put on like some gloves and he just wanted to rub around my teeth a little bit and like, like rub my molars and all this other stuff. Keep in mind, this man's not doing anything sexual while this is happening. He's just literally doing like, he's just doing shit. So that's what I heard was happening every time they went to go see him. They said he had like one big ball. They said he smelled like he was dying. And I was just like, I don't want to be in there. I'm so sorry. I just, I cannot do it. Um, the thing that I, to this day, I'm just like, I don't know if he's alive or not. Cause obviously I, I don't, but obviously this was like, so basically he, I guess had gotten tired of the girl that he had been seeing and like requested like one of the new girls on her first day. Mind you, this girl has not been trained. This girl literally just got here. She hasn't really even met anyone. She has not had a client. She has not done a meet yet. He just saw her on the site and saw that she was new because he was a regular. And he was like, I want to pick her. And it was some like skinny white girl. And then he's like, okay. Not even like 10 minutes after she's in there, um, I see one of the other girls run to the back. And I'm just like, oh my God, like maybe like there's a tip in or whatever like it's normal right they both come out they're like oh my god he's bleeding (laughs) what and they're like yeah oh my god he's bleeding and then we're like what did you do and she's like the new girl's like he wanted to do something called sounding bitch (laughs) excuse me um sounding is something that You need to have experience or some kind of training. I'm not talking about you have to be like that bitch. I'm talking about you have to have at least done it before, before you actually attempt to do it. (laughs) Um, And the thing was, is that she had never done it before. And this man was not able to maintain an erection. She was like, I tried it. And they asked her like, was he hard? And she was like, no. So what happened was, she inserted one of the sounding rods and I'm sorry, hold on a second. <clears throat> she inserted one of the sounding rods and because he wasn't hard, um, he, she didn't know where to like push it down. She didn't know how to like insert it correctly. She didn't know what to do with the fucking like rod. So essentially what you can imagine is that if you're trying to put this rod in a flaccid penis and you're trying to do the whole thing of going up and down or like spinning it around and stuff, you're going to be causing damage because the penis is not extended enough to where that um, the urethra is open to where you can shove something like that down in there, basically. And so she either nicked something or did something, but this nigga was bleeding from his dick. And so like he like, uh, 
the other girl came out and she was like, no, she wasn't like freaking out or anything, but the white girl was. And she's like, why are you not more like concerned about this? Why does everybody not see concerns? Like, girl, because he signed a waiver. If he dies, he dies. Like this man coming here all the time. He got a death wish. He bringing his own medical supplies. He talking about how he would pull his tooth out because he asked the girl to pull out another tooth. He coming in here, he putting his fingers in people's mouths, and now he's trying to go for the gold and have some brand new ass person off the street stick a fucking metal rod in the opening of his not hard dick. Like, this man is living on the edge. And so the fact that they were like, girl, he signed a waiver, I was so weak. Because I was like, yeah, like, that's essentially it. Like, we're not responsible for what happens to these people because of the fact that, like, they signed a waiver. But unfortunately, it does go both ways because as I saw and as we all saw, because the owner of the dungeon was actually a man, he didn't care about what happened to us, you know, at the hands of the client. So that also brought about its own issues of how we were dealing with not only an oppressive fit system throughout the whole fucking way, but just having to also deal with and appease this fucking like man that I now like I always call him a fucking bitch, like who was running the dungeon in such a bitchy way. And so basically the guy i he i i don't think he died i don't know if he died but like that happened um we also had another person that came in and he would request um you know one of the girls he would come in late at night too and he was there the time that that person that introduced us to sounding was there and it was like he was he liked to come in there. I think his name was like Smoking Jack or something like that. Smoking whatever. No, Smoking Steve. There we go. His name's Smoking Steve. He would come in there and the girls that like got picked from him, they got paid like a decent amount, but they also hated seeing him because not only was it the end of the night, they would go in there and this man, he was like an older white man or like a middle-aged like older white man that claimed that he was not gay. He's not gay in any way, but he would have the girl that he booked for the session, sit there and smoke an entire pack of cigarettes while he watched gay porn and masturbated to it. So, like, she's trying to get through this pack of cigarettes as fast as she can because the session is either only an hour or an hour and a half because he would come before we closed. Not come, come, but he would, like, show up before we closed. And, like... Every time the girls got done, they would be sick for a little bit afterwards. They would tell us what happened. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But they would make a decent amount of money. And I remember the, the sounding guy, the one that like was like the subject for us to practice on, he was around when Smoking Steve showed up. And we kind of had like a little bit of like a full house. And Smoking Steve upped the ante and he was like, you know... I think that this time I would like to have you go and find one of the other clients and see if they can like give me their, their cup. And we're like, excuse me. It's like, yeah, I want it like in a cup or something. And I want to be able to like touch it. And like, you know, while I'm like, you know, masturbating or whatever. And that was the first time that I found out what fake cum looks like basically. Because we had it, like, on... Because we weren't going to be able to do it. Like, at first, we were trying to problem solve. And we're like, okay, where are we going to get this from? We have a guy that wants people to watch him. Because he was like, I'll do it. He was like, I'll, you know, give him the cum if he walks past 
the door while I'm in here because he wanted to leave the door open. And we were like, I don't think that's going to happen. This man doesn't want to do that. So he's like, okay, I guess that's not going to happen. We're like, okay, whatever. Nobody else wanted to do it. So we had to go and like make it because he had like, I guess, some mix or like the actual like substance, not the substance of like the fucking like cum, but like it was supposed to look like that. It wasn't the coconut cream, mind you. It was not the coconut cream because we were also like, how does he know it's real? It can't smell, you know, you know, it has to smell like cum. So we made it out of the powder and the water, uh, the mixture that we had and it worked. Um, but that was also something that I was like, oh my God, that's, that's, that's hilarious. Um, we also had like, of course, uh, random couples that would stop by. We had random men that would stop by cause they were on their night out. Like, oh, we heard that there's doms here. Dominatrix is here. <laughs> we're all here. We're having a boys night out. <laughs> and like that night wasn't as fun. They all showed up with their fucking like little vapes and shit and they were being real rowdy and really disrespectful and they thought that they were going to be having sex that night. And that's what I'm saying. Like whoever, what, however the word of mouth is spreading, like whatever these niggas are saying to one another is not accurate because a lot of the times they would show up and they have an idea of like the establishment and the services offered. And that's also what plays into the whole, like, you can't have a person that just got there speaking to them. You can't have a person that just got there and has not been trained yet on meets because sometimes like these men are showing up and they're trying to demand things or, you know, they're trying to control the dynamic of the session. And it's just like all of that shit, especially if they say the wrong thing, they could be an undercover cop. They could incriminate you. They can incriminate the entire business. So it's just kind of like we don't really have time for that. So it's just like however they were like, however they were communicating, you know, the existence of this place and like what you could find there was not accurate, apparently. So um, they showed up. I didn't like it. There was this one guy that um, when he would get there, apparently, because like, we got a heads up. but I didn't know that that was a real thing until I went to the meet. He And he seems like a, like a really professional, like kind of guy. And that's the thing, right? I'm not like putting this past any men because most of our clients were men i'm not putting it past any of them right they're professional men they're family men they're you know teenagers we had like they said that the youngest person they had in there was 18 we i just told you about that 92 year old man they come from all walks of life we had like the comcast ceo son come in there we had like a basketball player in there. Like, we have people come through there and it's just like i'm not judging them but sometimes it can be like, oh, okay. And this is one of those times because apparently this man liked to do his meets naked. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because like, sir, like you haven't even paid for your session yet. And you've been given a room, yes, because you've booked the room, but you haven't even booked a, you know, dom yet. So I just didn't like the fact that as soon as he got into the room, he just got fully, um, disrobed and would be on all fours barking or whatever the fuck when we showed up to like introduce ourselves to him and i know it was because he was trying to see who could go along with it but i honestly think that like even as we are working in a dungeon or something like that we still we still like require some kind of consent like honestly you didn't pick us and we didn't pick you i shouldn't have to see your balls like that's something that should be reserved for the dom that you decided to select for your um, session, you know? And that really put me off because, like, he looked like a really tiny, like, you know, professional man, but that's, like, what they be doing and shit. 
um, there was a man that came in that um, we had to band together to basically like, like shut his shit down. Um, he did this thing where he would come in and he would say, he wouldn't talk to us, right? He printed out like what he wanted on a tiny like like note card because he would say that he wanted like this kind of like wrestling thing or whatever right oh I want this I want that for the wrestling room and the girls were telling us that that's not what's happening he was like saying that he wanted that he would book the session he would get the girl in there and he was just dry humper the whole time and they were said that makes me uncomfortable they were talking about how Victor who was the manager was not doing anything about it and so we had we came up with our own plan one of the girls was like all right um, since none of the old, cause we got a complaint that none of the like older girls wanted to see him, which I was told that we were allowed to do. That's one of the only few reasons why I was like, I feel safe working here because we were told that we could turn down sessions if we didn't want to, and we didn't have to do anything we didn't want to. Um, so basically we were like all exercising our right not to see this man. And then we got a, we got a complaint cause they were like, you have to like go to a meet now. You can't just be here. If there's people on like, you know, on the clock, they're on the schedule and he shows up and he can't find anybody to meet with him. Like he's going to leave. So some of y'all have to like, y'all have to go meet him. So we were like, cool. So everybody went to go meet him, but we gave everybody a heads up. And then we told the new girl, Hey, like this is what happened. And she was trying to act like, Oh, okay. That's y'all's problem. Not mine. Which happened a lot. Um, I don't know like what other situations the girls have been in. I don't know where else they've been working, but a lot of the new girls were very like, um, you know, not very trust trusting of the doms and stuff, which, you know, is, it can be, um, for good reasons, but a lot of them also act like they shit didn't stink and they try to act like everybody else was trying to play them. We weren't, it was just literally like, we literally just got told we had to see this nigga and we're letting you know that like, he's not going to do the session that he puts on this paper. So, um, this happened like twice. The first time, when it happened, that's when, like, everybody decided not to see him. The first time when it happened, this girl took the paper he had and she ripped it up in front of him and, like, threw it in the trash. And that's when he made a complaint um, that nobody wanted to see him and all this other shit, right? So the second time that um, he came in, that's when, like, the new girl started. And that's when we were told that we couldn't turn down the meat anymore. So we're like, cool, we'll go in there and we'll we'll meet him, but we don't have to do a session with him. He's not going to talk to us anyway. He's just going to hand us the fucking little paper and then be like, I want to do this. So we told the new girl that and she was like, whatever. And um, so we just had one of the other doms go in. And they were like, oh, my God, like he laminated the paper this time, y'all. Like he's laminated <laughs> and i was like what the fuck so basically after the new girl went in there like she came out or whatever and all the other girls went in and then so one of the doms that's, that was a little bit older and a little bit more assertive just took the fucking paper just took the laminated paper and just took it with her and we like looked at it in the room and just made fun of it but basically he complained he complained and then he left and we had to hear once again from Victor, not from his fucking voice, mind you. He liked to leave a lot of passive aggressive, very poorly written notes. Um, I'm sorry, poorly typed notes around um, the space. And that's how he would communicate the updates to the policies that we all agreed to once we got hired 
um, to something else that was a little bit more beneficial towards him and the clients. Mind you, this is what happens when you work in sex work and you don't have any rights as an employee. You are not protected from clientele. You are not protected from your coworkers. And you are more, more than damn sure not protected by your employer. So that's kind of what was happening there. Every time we found a solution for something that he wasn't willing to step in on, we he would like leave a fucking other terribly worded note. Not like terribly as in like, oh, it's mean. I'm talking about this nigga could not spell. Like he would, could not. It just, it was, it was a lot going on. Um, don't, don't smoke grass in here. They like told us that we couldn't smoke weed in the smoke room no more because they were trying to say that it leaves us lethargic and then like we can't really, um, we, we don't show up to like sessions and stuff, which is a lie because none of us miss a session like that. Um, but also like, I was like, why can't we smoke weed? Y'all let these niggas come in here and literally shoot up. Like this, the, the clients were able to do anything that they wanted. They could bring whatever they wanted and they could do it in the room. It was just everything short of like fucking, they could do whatever the fuck they wanted. Right. And so I was just like, that's not fair that they get to bring alcohol. They get to bring crack. They get to bring cocaine. They get to bring all this shit. They even smoke weed in there, right? And I sold weed to some of them. Ironically enough, I sold my leftover weed to the naked dog guy. And I overcharged him because one of the other girls told me to and he paid it. And I was like, you know what? Thank you. Because now I'm going to get dinner. Now I can pay my bill. Now I have some little extra money. Because fuck him for like not giving us the like choice to not see him fucking naked. Especially as somebody that's not his dom that he booked. But anyway, along that time though, that's when I was like, the more time I spent with the girls, the more time that I like, you know, watched um, like femdom porn and things like that. Like I was trying to really get into... Um, my persona like I still was Mistress Jolene I was still trying to find you know what to wear so I just started trying to wear like really cute lingerie and and, like really big hair and really good makeup I found some sexy shoes they weren't heels because that was not going to happen I don't know like at first I was just barefoot a lot and like then I was just like I'm just gonna have to put on some shoes so I just got like some low heels that I could find I was like I can't wear these so I just got like these shoes from ASOS that were really nice Um, that I used to stomp this man's balls in. And I don't know if I have enough time to share that story because this is kind of running a little bit long. I don't want to like talk to him. Maybe this would be part one. This could possibly be part one. Um, Or if I'm able to get through it, you know, it doesn't have to be part one. But um, basically the persona that I had finally come up with was a persona that I figured since I was going through a lot mentally and emotionally and in my relationship, I would channel that anger into this character So as someone who grew up with a mother that was very condescending, very patronizing and not very compassionate, I have adopted that kind of (laughs) behavior and response towards people and situations and or behavior that I find to be very annoying, very um, infuriating or very just like violent but this wasn't like a violent situation where it came like because i'm ready to bring the pull that shit out when it's time but i'm talking about like if i'm annoyed if i'm angry shit like that and i basically found out that when i spoke to men like that and that's how i treated them i had a really great like i knew what i was able to say like i knew what to do i knew how to run a session i knew what was going on i had a certification session that went well that i really liked 
I had like I was getting like more and more clients and I was able to practice. So the final the final person that I had, um, he got to have like a full circle moment with me. So basically I was late. Um, I called ahead and everything, let them know. And the thing is, is that if you're late to your shift and there's a meet, especially if like somebody like requests you because this person requested me. If somebody requests you and you're not there, then the other girls have the right to kind of go and start a meet. So I was like, no, that's fine. Let the other girls meet him. That's fine. I'm on my way. I'm almost there. I get there. I'm fully dressed and everything. Um, I get there as soon as the last couple of girls have gotten into the meet. So I get there and the manager is telling me that he's an asshole. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, he's telling us he's like, demanding all this stuff he's upset he wants like his money back all this other shit i'm like okay then why don't he just leave like you didn't he didn't pay for anything he hasn't booked anything and they're like i don't know but he's being an asshole to the girls and all this other shit right so i just saw that he hadn't picked anyone so they're like if you want to still go in there you can and i was like okay so i go in there and he's like it's you and i was like yes it's me and he's like trying to talk to me nice and do all this extra shit and I basically just start sizing him up. I ask him what he's looking for because usually you just go in there. What are you looking for? Like, yeah, I was trying to get that together too because I don't like going in there and being like, what are you looking for? I like going in there in my persona and I like to like play around with them psychologically because I feel like the ones that did pick me from those kinds of like tactics were like ready. Like they already knew like what to expect from me. Also, it puts them in the mindset of like, this is what kind of experience I'm going to have. So if I come in there and I'm like, what are you looking for? It kind of takes them out of the fantasy because they don't want it to feel like a service, but then at the same time they want it to. So it's like, you have to find a delicate balance between trying to put on the performance of this fantasy and trying to like figure out exactly what they're looking for. Because we did sometimes get like paper, like paperwork about what they're looking for in terms of pain tolerance where to leave bruises, where not to leave bruises, um, what kind of stuff that they want to try. But it's just like they can fill that out and then you get in there and they have no idea how to communicate any of that to you. So for him, he basically was talking about he wanted to do a switch session. I That was like my first and only switch session, mind you. I do not recommend subbing for men professionally, I'm going to tell you that right now, it might seem like a good idea, but it's really not. I don't think that if I could do it again, that I would allow I would allow myself to be paid for a man to um, try and do what this man and one other man tried to do. Because that wasn't a sub, like that was a subsession. The other man, that was a subsession. This one was a switch. So basically, during the session, um, he picked me. They upgraded his room to like the, the the leather room and he tried to have a switch session where he was trying to like um basically the same thing that a lot of men at around this time I was dating um would do which is like they would try to make me feel weird about being a dominatrix they would do the thing about like oh why are you up so late because my schedule had changed like I'm getting off work at like 2 a.m I'm getting home at like 3 a.m or I'm just going out afterwards with friends or like whatever I'm like getting dates and going drink whatever shit right they're like, when do you work? I'm like, oh, I'm up. Where? And I'd be like, oh, I work at a dungeon. And that's kind of like how they would open up. Because I didn't want it to be a thing where it was like sensationalized. Because literally, it's a completely different thing behind the scenes when you work as a sex worker. And I like really wish that a lot more people would understand that. 
because of the fact that all of their misconceptions um, lead to their lack of respect, their lack of manners, their lack of etiquette, and their lack of decency and consideration when it comes to dealing with sex workers because they treat them like they're not people. They treat us like we're not people that like, oh, you, you're doing this for money, all this other shit, right? So basically... um. They do the thing where they're like, oh, does your boyfriend have a problem with this? Also, they like to play up the fact, because I did a thing, right? I did a thing where I played up the fact that I had a boyfriend because also a lot of men that booked the client, like that booked the sessions, really liked getting off on knowing that, oh, you're working here and your boyfriend's at home. And they all thought my boyfriend was black. So you had like some guys that were like, oh, um, you know, a lot of white guys, a lot of white guys get off on like a degradation kink. So they're like, tell me my dick is small. Tell me my dick is small. And like, they're like, do you have a boyfriend? I'm like, yeah. Is his dick bigger than mine? I bet his dick is bigger than mine. How much bigger of, uh, than mine, you know, is his dick? And I'm just like, at first it freaked me out because I was like, this is weird. But then I was like, they don't know what this man looked like. They don't know what's going on. Like, if this is going to get me more of a tip, if he's going to be here longer, so be it. So... Basically, that's what happens with that. They always want to act like like they come into here thinking what your life is, you know, outside of this. And that's kind of what that man took into the, our switch session. He was like, oh, I guess all the guys are just lining up. How do they feel when you tell them that you're a dominatrix? And do they think you're dirty? And he's talking. He was trying to like... He wasn't flirting. He was trying to like impress me because he was like, oh, me and my girlfriend are open and we go to play parties. And, you know, we... um. We're so like progressive and like all this other shit, right? And then he was like, he he got me off of the uh, little saddle bench because he was trying, like he like t- like was spanking me and stuff, and like as he's asking me these questions, and then he ties me up to this wall, and he's like asking me to like show my tits, and I'm like, it's gonna cost this much, and then he goes, how about I just give you thirty dollars? And I was like, how about not? I like literally broke character. I was like, I'm not showing my tits for thirty dollars. I already told you how much it costs, which I said a hundred. You've already gotten here so far because you're not only just paying like for the room, you're also booking the like session. And depending on whether or not it's 30 minutes or an hour, you already here and you already got the money. So if you don't have a hundred dollars, just say that. But don't try to like act like we really about to haggle over the price of you seeing my fucking nipples. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? So basically I said, no, I'm not doing that. And while he kept trying to like keep the session up, I was like thinking in my head, I was like, once this nigga lets me go, once he unties me from this wall, I am going to ruin his life. And I like he picked the right one that day because I literally was like he was like one of those like short ass like subreddit niggas that like literally like go to like anime cons and sleep in rooms with like eight other people and think that, you know, fucking their girlfriend like in the bathroom and and not showering for a few days because the shower and the, the tub is used for ice. Like, I don't know what else. I don't even know how to get this point across. He looked like a fucking loser. And that's a lot. That's, that's a lot to say. Because we have this whole, like, thing of, like, oh, is he cute or is he dungeon cute? I love how, like, people always ask that. So if it was, like, an actual cute guy, we would all be, like, beside ourselves. Is he cute or dungeon cute? 
Um, but basically, this man was not dungeon cute. He was not cute. He literally looked like a troll. And so he's trying to like rub up my face, how like he's doing all this stuff. And then so as soon as he untied me, I was like, here we go. Like, whatever. And my like real, little Regina George voice, right? And then like I asked him to bend over and look in the mirror and look at me because I told him he couldn't make direct eye contact with me. And then I took the riding crop out because like I had it with me. They give you a little kit and everything before you go. You pick out what you want. And I was like, so do you respect women? And then he goes, excuse me. And like I hit him immediately, like hit him immediately with the riding crop. And he's like, ow, what do you mean? And I was like, I heard. And every time I said a couple few words, I beat the shit out of him with this riding crop. Yeah, um, because I literally just started asking about his, like, behavior towards, um, you know, my fellow doms, my beha- his behavior towards um, my manager, because all of the managers were women, which is how they pulled off the fucking scam of, oh, it's a women-ran dungeon, which technically it was, but, like, this nigga owns it. So, like, fuck out of here. But basically, I was just like, I heard you were being an asshole, even when they upgraded you to this room for, like, no cost as, like, a, like you know, to, like, apologize for my for the inconvenience to you for me being late. Like, I was just, like, beating his ass with his riding crop. And so I also uh, made sure to light these candles in there. There's big, like, red, like, those also look medieval-looking ass, like, candlesticks. I lit those. And I got the writing. I mean, I put the writing crop down. Um, He's like over here, like tearing up. I'm like, if you look at me, I'm going to kick you out. If you look at me, the session is over. He's like, okay. So like, I was like, you have to look at me through the wind, through the mirror. You do not deserve to look me in my eye. And so he was like, okay. And like, he's like completely shook because like the person that he met in the meet and the person that he like tried to do this whole like domination thing with Like, it was the same person, but, like, it was, like, I was, I became a bitch. Like, I was just, like, same voice and everything. I wasn't yelling or anything. It was just very much so, like, do you respect women? Are you sure about that? So what is your issue with the fact that, da-da-da-da, you know, shit like that, right? I get the candle, and I'm like, arch your back. And he's like, what? I'm like, arch your back. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, you better fucking arch your back right now or I'm going to kick you out. And he was like, okay, okay. So he arches his back and his butt's up, right? And so I just start pouring the candle wax on like like his butt cheeks, like one at a time. He's screaming. And so I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I love how he sounds when he's screaming because I can feel his pain. And so I like looked around the room because I was like, there has to be more in here for me to use because I'm like really getting excited now. And I find a bamboo stick. And so I was like, bet. So I went and I was like, we're going to continue the wax play, okay? And he was like, okay. And I was like, I didn't hear you. He goes, yes, mistress. I was like, got it. So basically, as I'm pouring the, the, the candle wax on his butt, I'm like, like basically just like, just lighting him up with like these like swap like this i don't know if you know what you would call it, like a swap like what noise like the bamboo stick makes like it's a lot different from a riding crop right because like i said earlier with riding crop there's a lot of different things that go into the aerodynamics of it moving through the air through like the sounds it makes and through like what kind of pain levels that it can inflict 
with a bamboo stick. You don't really have a lot to, else to go off of. It's like a very like slender, like wooden stick. And based on like where they got it from, how what they where they cut it from, sometimes it maintains ridges. Sometimes it's like shaved or whatever. Mine was still in pretty good shape. It hadn't splintered or anything, right? So it, it had a little bit of a wobble, which I like was obsessed with, but it wasn't too much of a wobble, which is good because I feel like when the stick has too much of a wobble, you don't really get as much like power out of it as you would like because you're too focused on trying to maintain the the stillness of the stick so you can move it through the air to get the kind of like pain and response that you want. So that was my first time using a bamboo stick. I really liked it because it didn't matter how much force I use. Like I was just using like at first I was not using tiny taps. I was using like taps that were shorter, but they still were very painful. Um, And I just kept upping the pain levels when I would do that with the bamboo stick and the um, candle wax, because I really wanted to hurt him. Like that's that literally at this point, this nigga was going to get it. He's crying. He's asking me like, why is this happening? His, by the time we get done, his ass is bright red. Like there's bamboo. Like you can see like the marks from the bamboo all over his ass. You can see the burn, like the, the marks from like the wax. He's a puddle at this point. Right. So I'm like, um, so I like gave him a break, right? He's like, cr- he's like crying in the mirror, like, you know? And so I'm like, so when's the last time? Like, Cause at first, right. Um, I've left this out. So basically when I was like, like pretending to be a sub, cause that was not going to happen. He like, after he did the whole, like me and my girlfriend are open, we go to play parties, we go to sex clubs, things, right? He then lets me know, like, while I'm tied up that he once paid an escort to basically um, he could give her a massage and she gave him like half a blowjob and like he paid her like thousands of dollars for that shit. Right. Um, And then like he hadn't told his girlfriend. So I thought that was interesting that he came in here with like all of this bravado and all of this attitude talking about how open his girlfriend was and they, they have sex with other people and they go to sex clubs and parties and stuff. Right. But then he wanted to try and flex about how, Oh, I've been with sex workers before. Like I went on an escort and, and da, 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 right. But my girlfriend doesn't know. So while he's sobbing, I started asking him about that. I was like, can you tell me what happened? in the meeting that you had with the escort and he goes, what? And so I started hitting me again because I was like, I was like, please don't say what to me. You heard what I said. Answer my question. He's like, she, we booked it. And like, like I went to the hotel room and I just wanted, I just wanted to give her a massage, you know? And I was like, that's interesting. And he's like, and and then what else happened? And he was like, I can't say. And I was like, oh, interesting that like you and your girlfriend have this open ass relationship. You're doing all this like super sexual stuff together and apart. But you can't tell me what happened during this session with an escort. He goes, she she went down on me. And I'm like, oh, did she? And he was like, yes. And I was like, do you think she liked it? And he was like, what? I was like, do you think that she liked putting your ugly dick in her mouth and he was like I don't know and I'm like did you tell your girlfriend about this and he was like 
no. And I just kept like badgering him about that. I was like, so why wouldn't, so why aren't you going to tell her? Does she know that you're here? And he was like, yes. Okay. I'm like, okay. But like, if she knows that you're here, what is the issue with her knowing that you've been with an escort? And I just started beating his ass. Like, I was just like, this nigga is like, he really was trying to like, <laughs> he really tried to come in there and try to like, quote unquote, put me in my place. And he fucked up with that because like, that's the thing is that I have like a really pleasant looking face, right? Not only is it pretty, not only is it, you know, youthful, but it looks very approachable. It looks like I care about you. It looks like we're going to have a conversation in which I'm going to be comforting you. You're going to feel better. And it looks like, you know, I'm either really naive or like really, you know, just like delusional or whatever the fuck, right? It doesn't look like a face that's very assuming, basically. And that's what this man thought was going to happen when he came into this session. Because literally all I have to do is is not really talk a lot and then smile and then and say like not even use correct or like complete sentences. And you, I can really do a lot in terms of what people think I'm capable of and what like whatever the fuck, right? And men usually take advantage of that in the ways they try to. And... Basically, that's what happened. So this man was completely terrified of me and he but he did not want to stop the session. So as I'm like talking to him about not telling me about his, you know, him essentially seeing an escort and not telling his girlfriend, um, I'm just basically shaming him. I'm like, see that you had to go and actually pay for a woman. You had to go pay a woman to let you touch her. You had to go pay a woman to give you half a blowjob and I was just like, did you finish? And he was like, no. I was like, so you didn't even finish. I don't even think she wanted to do it. Do you think that she wanted to do it? And I was just really going the fuck in because I was just like, I hate this man. And um, like it kind of just went on like that for a while. Like I was pulling his hair. I told him that he couldn't look at me in my face. Like, and then when we were getting, I was like checking the time and I was like, okay, so I'm going to go and I'm going to check in with like the office um, to see, you know, basically if the session is over because like I was running behind and they gave me like the little timer, but like he was talking about that he possibly might've been paying for more time. So I just wanted to go make sure, come back. He asked me, can we still, can we do pegging? And this would have been like my second time doing it. So I begrudgingly was like, I guess so. Because like this guy is like a puddle at this point like I could like have him in here as long as possible I can get paid and get a tip or whatever and but I just made him I let him know that I hated every second of us trying to do it so basically it did not happen um I go back to the office we're trying to pick out a dildo for the harness that's the first time anyone's ever fit me (laughs) in a harness that I needed help to get in the first one I was in I didn't really need help but like that one I was like oh okay they put it on me and the problem was that the The dildo was not a, it was not hard enough for pegging, basically. So when I went in there, back in the room, he's like, I told him that if I came back and he wasn't like on all fours in front of the mirror that I was going to ask him to leave. So I came back and I'm like trying to like, I'm trying to like just get to it. Cause I'm just like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. He doesn't deserve this. But if I get paid extra off of this, this is fine. As we're trying to do it, I'm noticing that. Like, I put the condom on the fucking dildo and everything. Like, I got lube and lubing it up. I'm noticing that the dildo is not going in. It's not going into his hole. So as I'm sitting here struggling, 
I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this further. I start saying things like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I masturbated before you got here. Oh, I'm sorry. I smoked today. So like when I smoke, my dick usually doesn't stay hard. Oh, I'm sorry. Before you got here, I actually exercise. Um, I exercised earlier this morning. So, you know, that might be why I'm not hard. Oh, actually I'm hungry. That's why my dick won't get hard. I'm so sorry about this. Like my dick is just, it won't get hard. Oh, um, yeah, I usually don't stay hard that long. It's, it's a process for me to get hard sometimes. Oh, I mean, maybe you should just suck it. Maybe you should just suck it and put it in your mouth, um, you know, and we can just go from there. Like I was really like trying to lay it on thick that this was not a situation he was in control of, but also I utilized it as a very, um, <laughs> As a very cathartic experience to process all of the things I was going through at that time because me and my partner had just opened up our relationship. I was dealing with a lot more shady people. And of course, I was dealing with shitty sexual situations, which around this time, I was slowly being able to turn around and then learn to co- avoid completely because of the fact that I was like around other people that not only were comfortable talking about sex, but were comfortable talking about sex in a way where they were like, Oh, like, this is just a part of my life. This is something that, like, I would like to happen. This is something, like, you know, talking about partners, talking about how to ask for things, talking about how to, like, respect boundaries, to discuss sexual health, like, all these other things, like, um, advocacy. Like, I got a lot of information from these people and vice versa, but it was just, like, very nice to be able to see the trajectory. Because literally, like I said in the beginning of this episode, this was a very formative time in my life where I was like evolving into more of a mature, like a sexually mature like woman where it wasn't just sex was happening to me. It wasn't just like, oh, I guess this will happen because my then partner had spoiled me because I was used to like us not having me not having to like tell him to do anything me finishing every time that we were together and all this other stuff so if we were in an open relationship I felt like all this pressure was on me because I'm like how am I gonna have this kind of dynamic outside of this relationship if I want to have sex with other people I feel like I was being thrown back in the street like I was before and what I was dealing with before I met my partner like it was just a lot going on so it was very important for me to understand that not only was um I capable of you know, being able to be a little bit more present in my sexual situations. But also it helped me understand that what I wanted and what I should and shouldn't be looking for, especially when it came to like casual sexual partners. And long story short, that situation brought about a lot of erectile dysfunction. So that's where the fucking, um, the like the excuses came from for the literal wrong dick wrong dildo that we put on uh the harness so there was no penetration there was nothing happening his hour was up so i told him to go in the shower and wash himself off and then he was like do you want to pee on me and i was like no no and so i went to return all the stuff and like um let him shower so he can get ready and go and stuff i come back to the room he's like gone he came on the floor He came on the floor on purpose because he either knew that I was going to clean it up or wanted me to clean it up or like wanted me to see it so that he, I knew he did it, whatever the fuck, right? This nigga came on the floor when I was not there and it was a message. And I was just like, if I ever see him again, I will be literally lighting his ass up again. Like he was like crying and I 
felt amazing about it because it was like like having retribution <laughs> in your hands in such a quick like turnaround was like it just was so intoxicating this man was a piece of shit and i'm so glad that like i was able to get you know the girls licked back because I was just like, how dare you speak to my coworkers like this? How dare you speak to our management like this? Fuck you. And I hope your girlfriend leaves you and your ugly dick. And that was my last session. Like I really, um, I didn't have an issue with that being my last session. I was just like, yeah, um, that's cool because it was just becoming a really toxic work environment, which sounds funny, but it wasn't like, oh, the girls were like toxic or whatever. It was just like management, like the fucking man that owned the business was like horrible. So I didn't feel safe staying there and um, I left. And I don't dom like personally. There are people that like, especially like as a um, power bottom myself, um, I tend to go after other femmes that either are femme tops or um, are femme or like fucking power bottoms because I like essentially I just like more like assertive like you know feminine energy I it might be mommy issues I don't know but it's something that I really like gravitate towards because I also see it within myself so if I see it within somebody else I'm like I'm drawn to that. So if something were to happen there with that, that's fine. But I'm not doming them. Like more specifically, ah, more specifically, we're probably fighting, you know, physically over who's going to do what. But like we're not like I'm not doming them. Um, I truly believe that that's saved for um, situations in which I feel totally comfortable with introducing somebody to that or they're comfortable and they already like have done it i've noticed that a lot of bdsm and kink play that people try to initiate outside of a professional setting is very much informed by porn and and (laughs) and like other things that like they're ashamed to tell people about so you can totally tell when they enter it exactly what they're trying to do um i just would like to be in a situation where i'm like probably with somebody a little bit there's a little bit more of a connection before I were to do that. I don't sub personally either. I used to think that I was a sub. And I think that at some point I figured out that a lot of like plus size women say that. So they don't seem as sexually intimidating or physically imposing during sex. And I do not, I don't identify with that anymore. I don't feel that, um, just saying that I'm a submissive so I can seem a lot more sexually desirable and um, uh, what is the word and cooperative in bed is something that I want to get behind. It wasn't very helpful for me. It wasn't very, um, it wasn't very beneficial for me. It just was more like, Oh, like you're looking for, you might as well be fucking like a dead body. I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me. Now, if somebody, if I do find a dom that actually knows what they're doing, oh, most definitely. You can slut this sub the fuck out. But other than that, that's not happening. And a lot of men like to claim that they're doms and they're not. And they just want you to be a sub. And they just want a hole that won't speak back. And I'll talk about that later in another episode. Um, but, you know... I just, I got asked that a lot and I was like, no, I just, I don't do any of that personally. I like to play with other elements of, um, themes and, and, and dynamics and sex, um, that don't necessarily involve a dom slash sub dynamic. Um, 
But that's part one of <laughs> my experience as a dominatrix in um, the dungeon here. I could keep going, but this episode is running a little bit long, so I will be making a part two. But yeah, because there's a lot more. That's not the only thing that happened. <laughs> like, there's a lot more, and I can't wait to share it with you. Um, so make sure that, you know, you're tuning in for the new episodes. Um, I'm trying to upload new episodes every Thursday and make sure that you've, um, you know, catch up with the previous episodes and leave your feedback, leave your ratings. Thank you so much once again for people that are listening to the previous episodes and sharing them with their friends, answering the Spotify questions, um, giving me feedback and like rating the episode. I like seeing the growth has been like so um it's been so encouraging because i honestly um really enjoy podcasts um i really enjoy listening to other people's podcasts so like i really like the fact that people like listening to mine it just kind of feels like you know it fits it feels right so thank you so much for your support thank you so much for your enthusiasm and thank you so much for tuning in um enjoy the rest of yours bye